This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. Now, it's time for a trip down on the farm. Let's check in on reports from around the Oakland A's minor league affiliates. Welcome to A's Cast, and welcome to the newest segment on A's Cast, grown in Stockton. And basically, this segment is going to take you inside the, the lives and the journeys of some of the, the A's prospects here in Stockton. And I thought, uh, no better place to start than James Caprillion. My name is Zach Beirudi, and I'm the, the radio voice of the Stockton Ports. And James, of course, one of the top prospects in the A's system. And uh, not only that, a very unique story, and you've had quite a, a journey to get where you are today. And I, I thought this would be a great way to, to kick off this segment of Grown in Stockton because you've had some twists and turns. And first and foremost, uh, I want to ask how you're doing. We'll circle back to present day, but I want to ask how you're doing uh, after Tommy John's surgery in April of 2017, and now you're six starts in here with Stockton. I'm doing good. Um, you know, I'm happy with, with where I'm at and really taking this thing you know, day to day and, and just trying to make sure at this point I'm feeling good and uh, making my start every fifth day. And, um, you know, after being out for, unfortunately, two years, uh, dealing with Tommy John, it's kind of been uh, uh, pretty nice to get back out here and just be with a team. And um, But, yeah, just trying to uh, improve and kind of get back on the rhythm of things, getting back onto that five-day routine. And um, I think that's been the biggest thing. It's just, just get, kind of getting, you know, back into the groove. When did you realize you'd need to, to have Tommy John? When At what point did you, did you start to feel it? Um, I had made – I went to camp with the Yankees um, at the time, and then I got sent down to minor league camp. And I think my last start at minor league camp during spring training – uh, my forearm was was kind of barking at me a little bit, and going back the year before, unfortunately, I had kind of had similar issues, um, and there was no really sign that I needed Tommy John then. We'd done a PRP, and it, I'd pitched in the fall league and handled it fine, and was good to go. So I kind of had felt it again, and, and, and spoke up, and obviously wanted to be a, uh, smart about it, and you know, take care of my my one right arm I've got. Yeah, and <laughs> pretty valuable um, right arm. Yeah, trying, you know, and um, I had to speak up and. Um, you know, we took the scans and tough decision to be honest because we went in there and um, they said it wasn't a flexor strain, which is what I thought it was. And I said, okay, well, what does that leave me with? And they said it means it's probably your UCL. Um, so I actually got a scan of my UCL then about a couple of days later, and they had said your UCL looks better than it did the year before. So it was a little confusing, um, and I was kind of stuck in a position um, where we didn't really know the exact, um, you know, the nature of it. Uh, yeah, the nature of, of my UCL um, or what the real issue was. Mm-hmm. So I had a, you know, blind decision basically I had to make, and, and I chose to get surgery with uh, Dr. Elitrage in L.A., and um, it was it was a pretty easy decision because I didn't want to rehab it and then be good and then a year later do, you know, tear my UCL mm-hmm. uh, fully or whatever and have to be out another year and a half. Um, so I wanted to get it done. You know, I was young enough at the time, and, and that was the decision I made to do, and 
um, you know, here we are. Here we are. And, and again, we'll circle back to, to present day, but I want to go back to, to when you were a kid growing up in, in L.A. And it was more Irvine, right? Yeah, where you grew uh, Orange up. County, yeah. Orange County. Uh, when did you kind of develop a love for, for baseball? And when did you realize that this was going to be something that was going to be a passion and be on your radar for a while? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I just loved competing um, from a young age, you know. I tried, you know, I tried to play every single sport I could, mm-hmm. um, basketball, baseball, football, lacrosse, uh, and it really kind of dwindled down to football and baseball for me, and, and those are the two sports I found the most passion in, and, um, but like I said, I mean, just, just competing and, and being a, a young kid and being out there with the guys and having fun, um, you know, the banter with the clubhouse, and it, it's, it's always the best, um, but I kind of figured out, um, you know, I kind of figured things out my freshman and sophomore year of, of high school and, and, you know, started to you know, also learn if I put more work into this and I practice more and I take things more seriously and, and I put forth the effort and pay attention to more details and, and do all these things right, the right way and check the right boxes that I could, you know, probably get pretty good at this. And I kind of did that. And then the next thing you know, I kind of had a breakout sophomore year with the varsity team. And then I had another good year, uh, junior year and, and another good year, senior year. And, you know, I always wanted to go to college. And at that point, I had the opportunity to Know, go play college baseball and mm-hmm. had to jump all over that. Did you grow up a, a Dodgers fan or an Angels fan, or what kind of got you into the game? I actually, uh, well, I grew up a Angels were the local team, mm-hmm. so I, I always followed the Angels pretty closely. Um, but I was actually a Yankee fan. Really? Yeah, I was just, uh, I just felt like uh, you know watching Jeter, watching Mariano Rivera, you know the core four. Those were guys that I kind of always wanted to follow and kind of implement. Uh, my game, um, similar to those guys, and just you know, attention to detail, the way that they they treat the game with respect, and and there's just a way about that that they go about their business. It's crazy. It ends up being the team that drafts you. I didn't yeah, know that. I yeah, didn't know that. Yeah. Um, when did you realize you had a special gift for baseball? Because you can you can grow up and you know be a baseball fan, and then you could play little league and on through high school. But but I'm sure somebody of your caliber realizes, hey, like it, like you said, if I take this seriously, I can I can make something of myself in this game. When did that click for you? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things about baseball is at this point too, you know, there's so many good, good baseball players. I mean, you go to a minor league game and you got guys throwing, you know, a hundred and there's other guys who are smaller and, you know, hit bombs or whatever it is. Like everyone's so different, but I think the guys who really excel in this game are the ones who are constantly getting better. And I think that's more of, more of it for me is, you know, I've, you know, I've been fortunate enough with, you know, a little bit of God given, um, athleticism and Mm -hmm. some genetics and, whatever it may be. And, and, you know, but I'm always striving to be better. Um, I think, I think it's, you know, important to stay positive and wherever, wherever you're at. Um, but the guys who seem to be playing a long time, um, and continue, you know, to grow are the guys who are constantly getting better year to year to year to year. And those are the guys, you know, people are talking about all the time, Verlander, Mm -hmm. you know, Scherzer, um, all these guys, they just constantly are improving and evolving their game. And, um, I think that's more of like the mindset that I take is, you know, what can I do today to, you know, even if it's a small fraction, just get a little bit better, um, whether it's, you know, paying attention to more film or, or just, just finding one thing with the way I'm, you know, holding the baseball or my, my rhythm and tempo. And mm-hmm. just also there's so many things in this game. Um, so, yeah, I think hopefully that answered that question. It's just trying to evolve it always. Yeah. Is there, is there one particular time where, where you, you threw and you threw as hard as you've ever thrown and it was effective and you said, wow, this feels really good for me? Is there one time you can think back on? Uh, maybe two times yeah. that's happened. Um, I think – probably my first start uh three years ago in high with Tampa um you know at that point I'd, I'd always kind of been a guy who who needed to, I was 90 you know 92 you never 94 before that though I mean like even when you're in high school I mean you had we'll talk about your high school career but well I mean that's probably the time where I was 
throwing my hardest was was in pro ball obviously mm-hmm. um like when i was in college i was you know 92 94 and uh, which is great but then I've, I've always tried to be a guy who can you know use all four pitches and, and put the ball wherever i wanted um and then it seemed like as soon as i got into pro ball and i had that huge jump in velocity um i was still trying to pitch the same way but there was more life on all all four pitches mm-hmm. so it kind of made it you know more effective where i was like wow you know this is this is fun and mm-hmm. now i can you know try and go dominate I mean, learning how to pitch, though, it's one thing to be able to throw hard, but it's another thing to command, and you have, you have the ability to do that, too, even with your off-speed stuff. That ability to command the zone, when did that start for you? I think um, freshman year in college, you know, pitching uh, under Coach Savage, you mm-hmm. know, we really, we really drilled in, um, you know, catch play, and, and it's not something that you only work on, you know, um, when you're throwing in the game or in a bullpen or whatever it is, is we were constantly – at UCLA, constantly working on hitting hitting the glove. Um, you know, we'd move the glove hip to hip, and and always be working. You know, fastball change and and breaking ball stuff and flat grounds all the time. So it kind of just it became such a I don't know, like a almost a game to myself. It was like I want my guy to hold the glove when playing playing catch with, and mm-hmm. I don't want him to move it, and I want to put it there every time. And I found if I you know if I keep exact fo- like extreme focus yeah. on that glove, you know, I found out I could do it, and then it's kind of become one of those things where, you know, control your breath, control the game, control the tempo of things and find, you know, find that rhythm with your body. And when, when you get in that rhythm and things are just grooving along, um, that's when baseball is the easiest, but we all know that it's not always going to be like that. Yeah. So being able to continue to do it on those days where you don't feel your best or things feel a little out of whack is trying to, you know, compete and have as small as a miss um, within that small zone as you can. It kind of sounds like the back roads to repeating your delivery. I mean, they talk about, you know, repeating your delivery and, and being consistent with that. And the way you talked about the, where the catcher's glove was set up and you wanted to hit it every time, For it sure. probably trained you to kind of do that residually, sure. right? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. In, uh, in high school, you threw two no-hitters. Yeah. Um, what was the high school experience like uh, for you, Beckman High School in Irvine? Yeah. Uh, when when did you start to to really get on the radar and notice that scouts were coming out to see you and college coaches? I think it started happening uh, probably junior senior year. Um, you know, I had some good success sophomore year and and um, good success junior year, and then senior year it was kind of like, you know, I'd done this, I'd, I'd, I'd pitched this level, we'd had success the past few years. I was fortunate to be around really good team um, guys that I also grown up with playing baseball and football and stuff and so it was fun we were out there having a good time and it was just um you know we wanted <laughs> you know we wanted to dominate we wanted to dominate that league and, yeah. and i you know i take pride i'm like i said i'm a competitive kid so <laughs> i really wanted to be the best I you know I, I wanted i wanted to be the best i want to be the best pitcher in that league and i wanted to you know compete with the the division one schools that were in the area and um you know beat those guys and and we did we did all those things and it was it was fun um I was fortunate to be a part of a good program there uh, under coach Kevin Lavelle. And, you know, he kind of uh, uh, started the, the transition, you know, from when you're a kid playing baseball to becoming a high schooler and playing baseball mm-hmm. and, and really learning about the game the right way. Um, he did a really good job in, in, in teaching me and showing me the way. Did you have a chance to turn pro after, after high school? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, I got some calls early and, you know, probably would have been, you know, supplemental second round or whatever. But I, you know, I was trying to. I tried to be as extremely upfront as I could, and basically, you know, say, hey, unless, unless you're bringing a truck full of money, I'm going to school. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd always wanted to go to school. Um, I'd felt like as as a as a person, I wanted to develop, uh, you know, into a man a little bit. And, and there's plenty of things in life that I, I needed to go through. And um, and as a baseball player, you know, I, I wanted to pitch under Coach Savage, and he had a plan. And uh, you know, go compete for a College World Series, and 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 contribute to the team, and compete to be a starter, and potentially, you know 
boost my draft stock a little bit, and it seemed like we did all, all, all those, and, uh, you know, here I am. So fortunate I went to college. I had a really good time at UCLA playing for Coach Savage. Talking with James Caprillion on A's cast in uh, the Grown in Stockton segment. Uh, you had a chance to go play in a couple of different summer leagues, the West Coast League and, and the Cape League. I think more people are aware of what's out there on the Cape. That's mm-hmm. really kind of the prestigious one. But then the Wenatchee Apple Sox, you were there first with the West Coast League. What uh, what experience did you take away from Wenatchee and then, and then from the Cape? Yeah, so when I went to Wenatchee, that was my first time. I was probably one of the younger guys on the team. That was my first time experiencing um, – you know, summer ball and, and college baseball for that. Um, and I'd been going out, I went out to Wenatchee, Washington, um, the summer before my incoming freshman year and, um, you know, went out there met a good group, good group of guys. Um, and was really kind of more on the, you know, baseball every single day schedule, mm-hmm. uh, what pro ball is now. Is that totally different for you and going yeah, from I mean, high school to that? It's totally different. Uh, you know, high school you're pitching, what is it? It's like Tuesday game on Tuesday and a game on Friday. Yeah. So, it's a little different. Against when lesser you're playing, competition. Yeah, you're playing every single day. You know, competition's a lot better. And, and that was, um, I think, the biggest transition for that is just, you know, having a game every day. But, you know, for a kid who, you know, wants to be a pro baseball player, it's like, well, we get a game every day? This is great. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's great. Um, but then, yeah, going in, in uh, into the freshman year, you know, we obviously won the World Series. And then following that up uh, with the Cape, and same thing. It was, you know, higher competition. Um, you know, had a good time and a little bit of a, a chance for me to, you know, kind of, compete and show show what I got against guys I normally wouldn't see um, across the nation. Then you went to play with the uh, USA college national team summer of 2014. So that's your first taste of international competition. Yeah. And, and, and what was that like up front? It was good. Um, I think that was probably one of the best summers I've ever had. It was just a great group of guys. I mean, I'm sure you can look up that lineup. There are, Half those guys are probably in the big leagues now, which who, is pretty who, cool who to see. Who can you rattle off? Uh, Ryan Burr, Dansby Swanson, mm-hmm. um, Bregman. All sorts of guys. I mean, Walker, Walker Bueller. Yep. Saw those guys come through this league. Yeah, I mean, we had a we had a great team and, and <laughs> highly competitive team with each other too, yeah. which is great. Um, but yeah, it was a fun summer and uh, playing internationally. We got to go to Cuba. We got to go to the Netherlands. Um, play against Chinese Taipei. We did a little tour in America too, and it was good. I mean, we I remember we uh, you know saw the size of the guys on the Netherlands team when we were in the hotel <laughs> and we're like. These guys are full Those grown, big Dutch guys. full grown men, <laughs> and you know we went out there and just played our brand of baseball, and we ended up winning pretty good. So we're like, hey, you know, doesn't, I guess age doesn't really matter if you can if you, you can compete with these guys, you, you know, you got it. So, kind of around that same time, and I, you know, I'm going to talk from my perspective a little bit. I lost my dad uh, nine years ago. He was 64, and it, it was pretty unexpected uh, when, when it happened. So for me, I can just think about how old I was at the time, and I was 27. Um, and for me, that was a big blow, and it, you know, I, I obviously still feel it today, and uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, butterfly effect from that, if you will. But you lost your mom kind of around that same time, and, and she went through breast cancer. You were still competing internationally when that happened. Uh, tell us a little bit about your mom's story, and then what it was like simultaneously to to pitch while she was going through what she's going through. Yeah. So uh, let's see. First grade, uh, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And at the time, you know, you're such a young kid. Um, for me, I really didn't, you know, know how to interpret that. You know, mm-hmm. I just knew my mom was sick. I didn't really know much about it until, um, you know, I think hearing somebody else at a kid, you know, a kid um, down the street um, who went to a different school, his mom had passed away from breast cancer. And then I remember circling back and going, you know, is this asking my mom, are you going to die from this? Is this something that's going to kill you? And that was kind of the time. 
um, that I found out what cancer was and what cancer was capable of. And um, my mom battled breast cancer um, for 14 years on and off. She had gone into remission a few times. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, like you said, um, it got to that point where it was, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't do anything more. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, my mom was a star, you know, my biggest fan, my biggest supporter. Um, she was always in the stands with the cowbell. I mean, everybody <laughs> knew her. She helped the community. Mm -hmm. She was an educator. Um, really just a brilliant, um, beautiful woman. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it was tough. I'm not going to lie. Um, I just remember the season ended at UCLA, and I was getting ready to, you know, go play Pro Bowl, and my mom was sick. Um, so this is right as you're about to be drafted? This was after my sophomore year. Okay. So this is the year before. And... Uh, you know, we're going through the process. I, you know, I had already been selected to play for Team USA, and my mom was, you know, kind of dwelling down to her last, um, you know, a few days, few weeks. And I remember being, you know, at the point where we were in the hospital. Uh, my mom was sick. Oh, you know, I, you know, lost tons of weight. Somebody I couldn't even recognize, almost mm -hmm. unfortunately. Yep. And at that point, the cancer, the cancer had uh, uh, spread, um, and we had known, you know, it was it was terminal. We knew where we were at. And that was a hard, hard thing to digest um, because for so long, 14 years, my mom lived her life and basically never let cancer define her. And, um, you know, her goal was to get me to, to adult, adulthood. And she, you know, she held on as long as she could and she did. Um, but at that point, it's like, well, cancer is actually going to win. And it was something that was extremely difficult. And I remember being in that hotel or in the hospital room, hotel room, the hospital room and, you know, pulling my dad aside and, and saying, you know, I don't think I'm going to go play for Team USA. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I'd rather spend time with mom and, and just be here and whatever happens, happens, I'll be here. I, I mm -hmm. want to be with the family. Yeah. And my dad's like, yeah, you know, that's fine. We'll talk about it. We'll discuss it whenever. And the re room cleared out. And I think my mom had heard me or something, which amazes me. Yeah. But she calls me over and she goes, you're going to go play for Team USA. This is one of your goals. This is what you worked for. Um, and, and you deserve this. You need to go do it. And it seemed like, you know, a few more days that went by and my mom had um, passed. And one of the hardest things I think I've ever gone through in my entire life, um, still to this day, you know, it's, it's extremely, it's hard for me to talk about right now. Yeah, I get it. It's, it's, it's an emotional roller coaster daily. And I think about my mom all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think, at that time, it was extremely difficult for me, too, because, you know, it's like she died. And then a day later, I was getting dropped off at the airport to yeah. go play for Team USA. And there was no grieving process. Um, I, I never, you know, I never got to deal with it. And that's obviously still something I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. um, but I was on a plane, um, you know, shipped out across the country to go join a bunch of guys I'd never played with before. And I think at that point, they had all, the whole team had kind of been, you know, kind of informed on what I'd been going through and knew that I was on the cusp of not coming out. And, you know, to this day, I'm extremely fortunate for the group of guys that were out there with me. Um, you know, Ryan Burr and, and Bregman and Dansby, I remember specifically talking to those guys about it. And, um, you know, they all had my back. I'll never forget me and Bregman, you know, were the first ones on the bus. And he looked at me and he goes, aren't you glad you did this? And I was like, this is the best summer I've ever had, man. Yeah. And, and I'll never forget it. And, uh, yeah, it's just extremely difficult extremely difficult uh time but you know i got the ball fourth of july i gotta wear the camo and um 
you know, I ended up having a really good start and, and, you know, like to think I honored my mom pretty well that start. It's amazing that she, she, uh, encouraged you to go out and do that. Yeah. Um, and then you, you won, uh, USA Baseball's International Performance of the Year yeah. for that performance. Yeah, was, uh, what, uh, describe your emotions during that performance. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember the game like it was yesterday. It was an extremely emotional game, and, and it was kind of the same thing. It was like everyone knew what was going on, you know. Everyone knew that there was a little bit more on my mind, and I was pitching with a little bit more purpose. And uh, I remember the game started off, you know, not the way I wanted, you know, guy – I don't know, I think he got like a lead up double or something like that. And then we ended up like picking him off. And from then on, it was like, I, I just hit it. I kicked it into gear You mm-hmm. know, I locked in, um, things were working and, and you know, there wasn't anyone who was going to get in my way. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I just remember just emotional, emotional time on the mound. You know, there's often, oftentimes when I'm talking to myself on the mound, it's telling, you know, telling myself positive feedback to compete and, you know, I think it was a little different that day. I was just, you know, kind of talking to my mom a little bit while I was out there. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's still something I, I probably do a little bit of today. My dad used to say to me, there's going to be times in your life where you're going to feel like you have an angel on your shoulder. And that's probably what that was like for you that Absolutely. day. I mean, it's, it's weird to think about and weird to say, but it's like sometimes you feel like there's, there's someone just yeah. with, with you. And, you know, I still <laughs> – I don't want to get too into it, but, like, I, you know, I can – I notice it. I notice when my mm-hmm. mom's around, for sure, yep. and um, it hits hard. It's one of those things that you just kind of acknowledge and you kind of just, um, you know, smile about, and, and you know they're there with you. So fast forward. So you go through this. Uh, yeah. You compete internationally. You lose your mom. Fast forward. You're drafted 16th overall by, I guess, the team you, you grew up rooting for, the Yankees. What was that like to, to hear your name? You know, James Caprillion. New York Yankees like James Caprillion with the 16th overall pick in the draft. It was unbelievable. Um, and I think the thing that made it so, you know, amazing was, A, you know, it's a dream come true. You know, um, as a kid, you know, being able to play professional baseball, it's something you dream of. And anyone will tell you that. But I think for me, one of the things that made it so special is when I did get drafted is looking around the people around me. Um, you know, my whole family was there. My extended family was there. My best friends, my neighbors. Uh, my friends from college, my friends from high school, and and family and family friends, and just every so many people wanted to be a part of that moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that really, you know, it, that's what's kind of important to me is these people who you know have been in my life and and been around me, you know, through my ups and downs, through my mom's up and down, through my family life. You know, all these people have been uh, so connected in the community and, and and really a part of my life, and they were all there to you know enjoy that moment with me. So I think that was probably the most special part for me um just seeing how many people actually did you know and do and do continuously support me mm-hmm. and, I, and i think that's something that you know sometimes you know while i was going through you know the process of rehabbing and, and being by myself in arizona and kind of going through that loneliness is you know i'll get a text from a random number and it's like hey this is so-and-so we just want to let you know you know we're supporting you we, we got an eye on you we can't wait for you to get back out there and it's motivating yeah. it's motivating knowing uh, you know so many people you know, want me to succeed and want me mm-hmm. to, to be successful. So it, it's really, you know, puts things in perspective. And, um, you know, I try and be the best person I can on and off the field. And, and hopefully that speaks a long way to, to, to the people uh, around me as well. And you had m- one of the most unconventional rehab processes ever. Not only did you have a setback, but you're traded in the middle of it. Yeah. So, so, you know, Sonny Gray goes to the A's and you're, you're part of the hall that the A's have. And you're maybe you're one of the centerpieces of the trade. Um, what was it like getting that news in the middle of your rehab from Tommy John? Yeah, it was, it and was you can sh- be honest. I mean, it's, I, it's I, jarring. I will. I will. Yeah, it was a little shocking, to be honest. Um, you know, a lot of guys, 
uh, I, I felt like I just really had a good connection with the Yankees and, and the guys over there. Um, but they obviously needed a starting pitcher who, who was ready to go, and, and they had a chance and, you know, still potentially have a chance for, for a World Series, and they need that guy. And, you know, me with where I'm at, I wouldn't be able to be that guy. Mm-hmm. And I understand. I mean, this is how business works. But, you know, when you when you hear you've been traded, it's it's kind of, you know, a shot to the gut a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether you like it or not, it's it's the decision that somebody made. And, you know, he they made the decision to, to bring someone else in and, and send me away, which is fine. Um, and, and now I'm, you know, fortunate to be a part of an organization where where they really wanted me. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's two sides to it for sure. Um, and, and I'm, you know, really excited and happy to be with the A's organization now. And I think the thing that made it most difficult is, like you said, it being a part of that rehab process when it happens. Yeah. Because it's not like I just got traded from one team and I jump into the other team and I meet all the guys and, you know, the banter begins. Um, you know, I was kind of on a rehab table the whole time yeah. and, and, you know, no shot on the guys around me in Arizona, but everyone's hurt, you know. Yep. So it's kind of you're it's kind tough of place a, to be. It's I've a tough heard. place to be, and 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 you're going through the process a little bit alone, and not really knowing too many of the guys. And you know, you get your stuff done early in the morning, and it's like the rest of the day's free. And then, you know, you're stuck there, you're stuck sitting there, going, "What am I going to do with myself the mm-hmm. rest of the day?" So I think that's what probably made it most difficult for me, um, just the rehab process. Um, but now, you know, being back on a, with an affiliate. Uh, um, you know, meeting some of the guys, you know, I'm a lot, I think I'm a little bit older than a lot of these guys on this team. It's a young team, but um, just being able to be part of the team, being the clubhouse, you know, banter, bus rides, all of it. It's just, it's good to be back. And, and uh, I feel, I feel like I'm, you know, a baseball player again. So I'll, I'll tell you this from my perspective, I'm sitting here in Stockton and I've been here for, this is my 14th year and you know, they trade for you and you know, it's like, Oh, we might, we might see this guy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden nobody's hearing about you. I mean, for like yeah. a year and a half and you're like this mythical figure in the organization. Like yeah. there's James Caprillion out there somewhere. And that's kind of like what it's like for us. <laughs> that's either a good, th- a, so, myth- a mythical fe- uh, figure. That could be a good yeah, thing. Or I mean, a bad here's, thing. here's this guy that was the centerpiece of this big trade. And so I saw David Force, uh, I think this is back in April. And I was like, David, are we going to see Caprillion this year? He goes, well, you know, he just threw 15 pitches the other day. And I'm like, Oh, la dee da, you know, well, yeah. <laughs> does that mean he's getting closer to coming? here so a month later you you get here and this couldn't have happened any other way you get here you're ready to make your first appearance as an A's farmhand and it's like this rainy day it's like this dark cloud has been following you and it it hovers over you I took a picture and I I tweeted it out before your first appearance and there's like this cloud with fingers coming down from it looks like it's going to be a nasty storm you go out there uh, in the middle of a rainstorm you pitch two innings and then all of a sudden uh, half inch size hail starts falling and and it's done like your your first appearance is done and you pitched well but what a, what a weird way to to start your career as an athletic under yeah, those it wasn't, conditions it wasn't ideal i mean <laughs> it was soaking wet out there the mound was soaking wet my, i'm surprised they sent you out there wet. i mean yeah it was probably not the, the safest thing to be <laughs> honest but um you know we, we made it work and and to be honest there wasn't anything rain or shine hail snow i was gonna get at least two innings in by the and way I your know, quote to me i saw you charting the night before and it was the first time i met you you said i'm so effing ready <laughs> and that was your that was your quote and i'll never forget it because now in hearing your story in detail like after all that you you were so effing ready to get out there and yeah, go do yeah that. sorry about my language i don't I'm care just, no it's, it's i like felt to call it. addiction but um it's you know I, i've been that's the thing is that over these two years you know, I've really been preparing and, you know, even though I haven't been physically playing, I've been watching the game and I've been learning and, you know, writing things down and taking notes and, and trying to improve. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I might not have those two years of, of pitching, but I'm still trying to, to learn and improve my game and learn from the guys and, you know, watch swings and compare myself to, to major league uh, pitchers who might, you know, be like me um, stuff-wise and whatnot. So 
there's so many things that I was trying to do. I mean, I remember going through my workouts post, you know, fresh out of Tommy John and being like, I want to be an all-star one day. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I'm working for right now. I want to be an all-star. And then the next day it's like, I want to win a World Series with the A's. You know, I want to get this, I want to bring this here one day. So I've, I've been working so hard and, you know, I know this is, this is where I'm at right now. And I'm, you know, I couldn't be any more glad to be here, but this is one of the, the steps in that process for me. So like I said, you know, I'm so effing ready. It's like I was ready to, to get yep. this process started a little bit. Well, I'm so happy that all your hard work's paying off, man. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's an inspiring story, and, and we wish nothing but the best for you and uh, continued success, James. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it, Thank man. you very much. Thanks for having me. James Caprillion, our guest on Grown in Stockton, part of A's Cast, and we'll see you next time here on Grown in Stockton. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.